1: We'll soon have the beta version of the Cavernous HR platform ready for testing. And we invite you as a listener of the Jason Cavendish experience to join our waitlist list at www.cavendishr.co. Once again, to join our waitlist, go to www.cavendishr.co. For those signed up for our beta testing, you will receive three months free to try it out. And then you will be locked into our discounted beta pricing forever. As a reminder, here at Cavendish HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people. If you have a small business or a startup, we invite you to join our waitlist for the beta testing of the Cavendish HR platform. Cavendish HR, focus on your business we have got your HR. Remember to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to the Jason Cavendish Experience. I'm your host, Jason Cavendish. Our guest today is Eric Murphy. Eric, are you ready to be great today? I'm ready to be great every day. Eric is a former U.S. Army officer who served for 13 years, to include nine years on active duty as a Black Hawk helicopter pilot. While serving, he saw operational deployments to both Afghanistan and Europe. He is currently a business development manager at Pittsburgh Data in Seattle. Pittsburgh Data is a leading financial data software provider for the private capital markets in a subsidiary of Morningstar, which I did not know that. In his work with PitchBook, Eric helps a diverse set of clients apply and integrate meaningful insights to emerging capital markets. His clients range from large investment banks, private equity groups, and venture capitalists to pre startups and sole consultants. Eric also mentors service members and transition through veterinary as an advocate for veterans to pursue careers in tech and finance, specifically tech sales. He is currently working to promote veteran hiring in tech and helping service members bridge the gap to roles in the tech world. Eric currently lives in Bremerton, Washington, with his wife, Megan, and their two children. He has a bachelor's in geography from the United States Military Academy at West Point, and was rated a pilot in command in the UH-60M and HH-60M during his time in service. Eric, thank you for
0: being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having me. Glad we were able to uh, finally set this up. We've been... Talking about doing this for six months or so now, so excited to uh, do this and be able to do it in person too.
1: Yes. Now, first, I gotta you know, as you can see, I'm in a new podcast space here, and I want to thank uh, WeWork and uh, Bunker Labs to give me the space. As many of you know who follow me, I I, I, I volunteer in Bunco Labs, at Bunker Labs. Bunker Labs, we have uh, military veterans on entrepreneurial journey, which me we'll talking about talking more about that later. Um, but I just want to thank for the great space here. And also, um, at Cavendish HR, we're doing our uh, we're about to release our MVP at the end of the month. And we'll sign up here for our wait list. So if you have a before with 49 fewer people, we-, we encourage you to sign up for our wait list for a lot of perks for you. And to go to the wait list, you can go to Com. So, Eric, um, you have a lot going on. I mean, startup world is, like, thriving right now. I mean, like, we talked on the free talk how, like, you know... The news didn't do a good job, but like, you know, of course, restaurants, hotels, you know, that suffered. But a lot of companies are hiring, especially tech startups. Can you talk about that that just a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think it's an exciting time to be in the tech world. Um, Over the last year, of course, a lot of turbulence, a lot of craziness. Uh, If you asked me that this time last year, it might not have had such a rosy outlook. However, there are companies, uh, you know, that kept hiring throughout the entire entirety of the pandemic. PitchBook, for instance, I think we stopped hiring for about a month as we figured ourselves out. Uh, and then we were right away in, in May or June with remote uh, onboarding classes. So, yeah, there, there are tons of jobs out there. It's a great time to be looking for work in the tech field, especially if you're a veteran. Um, that, that's that's what I'm trying to help out with uh, right now in the greater Seattle area. Um, and yeah, it's just a great time to be getting into tech. Uh, as there's a lot of a lot of startups raising money, a lot of capital being deployed, uh, and, a, and a lot of growth. Also geographical growth, you know, going outside just the the norms of the Bay area, Boston, New York, Seattle, there's, you know, startups in, in Iowa, in Houston. So it's, there's, there's a lot of geographical growth as well uh, beyond kind of the traditional tech hubs. Um, so yeah, it's just an exciting time to be in, in the tech world.
1: So going back to your background, you graduated from West
0: Point, correct? That's correct. Back in 2011.
1: Now, I could be wrong, but I don't think many people know how, actually how competitive West Point and search academies are, right? It's very competitive, right? Don't you have to be like nominated by the U S Senator or Congressman or something like that?
0: Yeah. It's competitive. There's a, uh, physical test. There's, yeah, like you said, nomination from a Congress, uh, Congress person, be it a Senator or a, a representative. Um, so yeah, and you have to go do interviews for that. It's, it's hyper competitive, um, academic tests, of course, SAT, ACTs, um, And then just the standard application type things, essays, questions. So pretty competitive. Uh, I think the acceptance rate is somewhere around, you know, between 10 or 12%. So it's, it's competitive to get there. And then once, once you get there, like the competition has only started, you now, you know, sitting with. The top, you know, everyone was valedictorian at their high school. Everyone was captain of the. Uh, yeah, I'm football guessing team. there's no
1: dummies at West Point.
0: <laughs> no, well, I mean, I got through there, so there, <laughs> there was at least one. But um, no, it, it, it and just to be surrounded by that that high level of of excellence in everything people do in in you know physical, military, academic world. It's 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 exciting to be there. And yeah, it was, it was, it was tough as hell, but I would go back and do it again. It was, it was fun. So,
1: so why West Point? What do you do to, to compete for West Point versus like University of Texas or some other school or USC, Stanford, Notre Dame? Why, why West Point?
0: Yeah, I looked at a few schools. You know, I, I looked at uh, the other academies as well, looked at um, some civilian schools, considered just doing, doing the ROTC route, but uh, went and did a visit at West Point, had a, a high school mentor who, you know, who recommended I go. He says, you gotta go, you gotta go there and feel you know, if it feels right, you're you're gonna know. And I, w- I went there and did a visit, did an overnight visit, and just the energy at that place, the, the the people there. It was it was exciting to be there, and and it just felt right. Um, so yeah, I, I got the nomination and, and 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 accepted it pretty much right away, and, and here we are.
1: So, you you did like thirteen years in the military, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I, I was in for a minute. So, question is, like, most people say, like, man, I got thirteen years, I'm gonna do my twenty, right? And this, especially in the military, people say, why are you gonna get out at 13? You're wasting all this retirement. What drove you like to get out, so to speak, in that civilian career?
0: Yeah, uh, so so for me, it, it was just stability for my family. I mean, uh, signed up to, you know, and, and part of the reason to go to West Point as well as you know, serving the country, uh, was able to, to do that, deployed to Afghanistan, um, did, did my part there in, in the, the war on terror. So kind of felt like I had, had accomplished what I, I set out to do with that. And then wanted to have, you know, put down some roots, get some stability for my family. And uh, my wife wanted to get back to work as well. We kind of moved around a lot in the military. It, it, it's it's hard for military spouses so hard. It's and, and like there's some of the most intelligent, like the brightest minds I know are military spouses. So that's another thing is helping military spouses in tech. How can we help some of the spouses at JBLM or at Naval Base Kitsap get into tech in Seattle? Um, so so yeah, that that's something I'm I'm hoping to work more on as well here in the coming months, coming year. So yeah, for my wife, get, get get set up somewhere where she could have more of a career, and and have our kids set in a place to grow up. Uh, kind of drove the decision, and and it kind of worked out that she got a job at a startup here in town, and made the move back out here.
1: Yeah, for listening to mine I know this, military spouses have the highest unemployment demographic, or any other demographic. It's like twenty, twenty five, sometimes thirty yeah. percent, and. I'm, I'm trying to mix the number up but like 70 80% of military spouses have bachelor's degrees right yeah but like no one takes a chance to, them. oh you know Mrs. Cavness you're gonna move in two years why should I hire you right not and they don't think well I'll have this great asset for two years right at least right and they don't think it like that you know fortunately
0: well and I think the underemployment is a big part of it too where maybe you can get a job but it's not within your degree or you know again you're gonna to have to move and start over that was the problem my wife ran into was she had to move and start over at the bottom again no one wanted to, you know, hire her laterally. So it's, it's really, really frustrating. And, um, I'm happy. She's, she's now with, with DocuSign here in town is loving it. So, I mean, just seeing her happy every day and fulfilled in her job. So best so example much. I have,
1: like underappointment, I, I did my campaign many time in Vicenza, Italy, right? Every bagger was a spouse. Mm-hmm. Everyone had a, had a master's degree. So yeah, like, what is going on here? Yeah. All y'all have master's degrees, you're bagging groceries, like. This not, I mean, it's overseas and all. I get it, but still, it's like, man, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And and, and military people, that, I mean, they have a lot of le- they can learn too. You know. Um. So next, talk about you do a lot of volunteer work. Next, talk about your work with Team. I think it's saw Team Red, Red, White and Blue, sort of called?
0: Yeah, yeah. Team Red, White and Blue. Team RWB. Um. Honestly, has taken a little bit of a pause with the, with the pandemic. Um. And and that organization is awesome. It, it's all about. Um, connecting veterans, civilians. It doesn't, doesn't matter who you are, but it, it's about getting people out, getting um, and, and doing it through exercise. So uh, I, I helped set up a chapter of Fort Rucker, Alabama here at, at JBLM during my time in service. Um, and then was able to you know participate in some of their bigger events. Uh, like I did the, uh, the rag Bri bike ride across Iowa, which was pretty awesome. And, and it's just this cool group, you know, it was, you know a mix of veterans of people that had never served and you just get to go connect for a week and ride bikes and eat pork chops on the side of the road and drink beer and hang out it, it was an amazing experience and everyone kind of walked away with it with a better appreciation so of each other do you know other. chris smith uh not not familiar he, with chris okay, he's part of
1: he's part of it too here in seattle i okay. connected with him he does a, his company he does consulting Basically, you know how the military like we do patrol patrol bases. Mm-hmm. He takes big level CEOs and takes some patrol bases in Montana.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I, I gotta connect with him. So Nick, another thing you have spend a lot of time with is I think it's called Veterari. Hope I'm pronouncing that right.
0: Yeah, uh Veterati. So in, in the process of myself getting out, you know, I, I sought some mentorship in people that had done it. Um and, and most of the people that I I sought counsel from were kind of later on in their career had, you know, had success as I was, you know, looking to to find a job and and I kind of saw a gap where I, I at least me personally, didn't connect with anyone that had kind of just gone through the transition. So I guess I'm, you know, a few, I got two years out now, so I'm kind of coming out of that window of being fresh, but I said, I, I want to, I just went through this. I want to help folks that uh, are going through it now, because I know, you know, it's different than it was 20 years ago or 10 years ago, or even two years ago. So yeah decided to go on uh, as a mentor with them i talk with a few a few veterans a month or a few people in transition a month and it's awesome to hear just the people looking to transition a lot of them into tech because they can kind of see hey this guy's in tech he works in the um you know in in the tech sales industry working with venture capital private equity um so yeah cuz talk to people in transition and and kind of help help talk to them about the pitfalls i fell into Um, how, you know, success I had with translating experience and, um, yeah, it, it, success interviewing as a, as a veteran, because it, especially with, you know, a lot, not a lot of tech companies, I guess some do, you know, have that, that veterans program. So there are a lot of great, smaller tech companies out there that don't, and you have to kind of explain yourself, you have to, you know know what to say to translate it into tech speak that, that makes sense for, for them.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to do a deeper dive in your, in your process from going from the Army to your Pittsburgh job and how that worked. But back to nonprofits, and we talked about this some in doing our pre-talk, there are so many nonprofits like, that say that, you know, they help veterans, right? Mm-hmm. Some are good, but some are like, what are you doing, right? Like, example, I gave was like three nonprofits in Fort Lewis who take veterans deep sea diving. Like, is there really a need for three nonprofits to take people deep state diving? Maybe there is. I don't know, right? Yeah. But if you're a veteran getting out, what if I say I've a veteran, like, you no, know, no, pick a, a nonprofit is gonna help you that's actually gonna help you and not like, you know, in it for ulterior motive, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I would say do your research, talk to other other veterans, see what's out there. I think I think all all of them have the you know, good intentions in mind. Like you said, maybe there is room for some consolidation. because um, there there are a lot out there and there's a huge need. Um The one probably piece of advice I'd have there is, you know, as you're in transition, getting out, like get involved with something. Um, That's kind of one of the, you know, I I haven't done as much with Team R2BB because of the pandemic. I haven't uh, gotten out and done a lot of that stuff because of all of this. Now coming out, I'm excited to get out and do some of those events, do some, maybe some camping in Montana now. Uh, (laughs) So uh, just do something, get involved. Don't just, uh, don't just sit at the house and, you know, be miserable and, and, you know, because you're not finding a job because it's tough. Um, yeah. Get out, do something, meet people. You yeah, bring yeah. a good point. Like in the military, we're in such a bubble,
1: right? Like if you have Fort Hood, you're probably not gonna all go in Austin, let's go to sixth street. Yeah. If you have Fort Lewis, you're not going go to Seattle, right? Talk about the points like people in the military get out of the bubble and go to network and stuff, meeting people, right? Yeah. Another thing to say to you, like when I was, ne- when I was getting out, when I retired, I'd get out, I would go like a, like a military job for out of the, Everyone here's a military, how are they can have you get a job, right? So I started going like meet up if I was only a military veteran, yeah. right? And just talk about the importance of doing that.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's how I found success. And that's honestly how I how I landed a role at PitchBook was uh, kind of keeping my ear to the ground of, of the Seattle tech scene. Was lucky to be out here. You know, I was stationed at Fort Hood at the time, but I was able to come here and do the Hiring Our Heroes program. Uh, big shout out to Rob Comer with with HOH here. Rob Comer was a great guy. I love I Rob, know him. I love Rob. He's he, a great guy. Shout out to Rob. Yeah, he he really helped me out. I had a tight timeline. Um, yeah, he 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 saved me and uh, got me out here from Fort Lewis. Uh, got me into an internship. Uh, but really, the value there was just being able to be here. Of course, this is this is pre COVID. Uh, so hopefully, we're getting back to more of this. But I was able to go to networking events that you know there's no other veterans there unless I you know brought uh, brought Bernard. Also, shout out to Bernard. Um, but yes, it get out there, go out of your comfort zone. I, you know, here, here I met some cool tech thing in in you know Pioneer Square, and I and I met people from PitchBook and yeah. talked to them. They were so amped about the company. I said, I, I got to learn more about about this this company. I I, I got to find out more about them, and that's a place I want to go work. Um, so I wouldn't have found that had I not been on, you know keep my ear to the ground on, on the tech stuff in Seattle and kind of going outside of my comfort zone, driving up to, to Seattle to go to these events. Um, because yeah, there are some great, like veterans hiring events, but uh, especially, you know, come up here to Seattle, like you need to go to the ones that aren't just for veterans. Yeah,
1: you gotta go where the only, your only, your only whatever you are, you know, a new college student or the immigrant, whatever you are, you should strive to be the only person in the room, right? That way you just, you know, yeah. cause like I would mm-hmm. go to job fairs down in Fort Lewis, like no current events, but like everyone's like a, it's like USA or financial advisors selling, you know, trying to, you know, it's like, what am I doing here? Right. Where? Yeah. And like, no one's wrong if you got Full Hood or Fort Bragg, it's going to take maybe an hour or you got to go, but it's the investment of time and like the networking, you just got to do it right. Yeah. And the sooner, and of course, you know, in the military, you're working at five in the morning. You really have time, probably not, but I mean, you got to find time.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important when you're in that transition time is to Make time for yourself. Um, and I think the army and the military is getting a lot better at letting people so bad. But yeah, horrible stories on that. it's so hard to unplug from that that military job. Um, but you gotta do it because hey, there's a a date that you're leaving. Well, first of all,
1: it's it's this as a man back Congress oh. says, you gotta do it right. So right. that's the first yeah. thing, right? Yeah, that's important too. Is, you know, yeah, that's that's Congress said we too. gotta do this. Yeah. But two horror stories I got. One, well, one, one story, not a really horror story. I was going through a transition, we were like a book current major. And they both stayed in front of the group. I didn't realize how important this was. I would have done a better job making sure my people went to this right. Right. And like, they didn't know. Another story is like, I was doing the transition stuff, had an E-4 in there, E-5 came, hey, E-specialist, whatever his name was, he supposed to be their range. I started, I get out in two weeks. My job was to make sure you're training for war. You coming with me. Right. And I, what could anyone do? Like nothing. Right. Yeah. It's the commander's program. It's there's so many bad stories like that.
0: Yeah. I, I had a good story in, in my, H, uh, my higher heroes group. We had a, a squadron commander and, you know, some of the folks in the program knew him as a squadron commander. And they said, he was the guy that always made sure his, his, uh, his team was being able to take advantage of programs. Like, you know, any of the CSP internships and they said, it's so refreshing to see him now here doing this and that what a standard that sets, you know, after he leaves. Um, but they're like, yeah, he, he made sure other people were able to take advantage of it. So they're, they were so thankful that he was able to get to, you know, experience that as well. So this, this
1: talk about your journey from going being a U.S. army officer to Pittsburgh, right? Your yeah. helicopter pilot. Yeah. I mean, there's really no straight path to that. Right. It's like, we can do a fly, fly, you know, a private helicopter for Pittsburgh. And like, how do you, Sell them your skills, convince them that you were met for this position.
0: Well, I, I've told the CEO, if he decides to purchase a pitch book helicopter, I will fly it for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's still a long way off. Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, and, and going into, into sales is tough too, because, you know, sales, there's kind of a defined pipeline. You start as a, um, you know, as like that sales development representative role pounding the phones, making calls, booking meetings for, for the senior reps. And I kind of came in, in the, in the middle of that at, at, at the uh, you know, the, the, the closing role. So yeah. PitchBook kind of took a chance on me. Honestly, they, they saw some intangibles that they, they liked. They said, we can teach them, teach them how to do sales. Um, so they took a chance on me. And, and, and the way I got there was translating my resume. Well, that kind of set the foundation. I think if I had had, you know, mil, a five page military jargon resume from uh SFL with, tap with, with
1: 20,000 acronyms
0: pass then, you know, they never would have even gotten past the header. Um So I, I spent a lot of time. I had a hundred people look at my resume, you know, military civilian. And I, I, I made a pact myself that I would update that, you know, like every week. And so it was always, always evolving and always getting better. And, and I, and I got to the point where I had it really well, translated resume where someone in the civilian world could look at it and say, oh, okay, I have an idea what this person did. Um and a person in the military would look at it and say, Okay, I, I know what this guy did exactly. <laughs> um so that was kind of step one. And then I, you know, at least at, at PitchBook, pitch book, most most tech companies there are somewhat similar. Phone screen with HR first, and then you go on to a, you know, the hiring manager interviews. So had the phone screen with HR. Um that went well. And, and honestly it was, I, I knew a bit about the company. I didn't know everything. I, and that's a good point. <laughs> if you're going for a job, do some kind of minimum research on company, right? Yeah. Like go
1: on LinkedIn, go somewhere and, and you know, cause last thing you want to do is ask you what, what's our company values?
0: Uh, I don't know. Yeah. What's on our website, dude, like what are you doing? And uh, a yeah, pitch book, the values are super important. Like they are on the wall. I mean, it's, they, we live and breathe them. So it's, it's not just, you know, some, some jargon on the website or on, on the, the t-shirt. Um, and, and and with that, yeah. Go go if it's a publicly traded company. Go read the ten Ks, ten Qs. Go read their quarterly reports because there's gold in there. Um, I, I interviewed another Seattle company that uh, I you know I won't mention. That. And I did some research in that and and saw hey this this sales unit isn't doing well and is is kind of going away. So you know decided not to to pursue that opportunity. But there there's some gold out there if if you do some digging. And, and you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the company that's giving you their time to to read up on them.
1: So another thing we were talking about is in our pre-talk too, a lot of veterans were taught, you know, my team did this, my team did this. But the senior, well, they want to know what you did. Yeah. How did you make the transition from like, you no know, being a team player, quote, unquote, and like almost like bragging on yourself, bragging on yourself?
0: Yeah, it's <clears> it's hard <throat> because we're so ingrained with that. This is team. I, you know, I just facilitated my team being successful. Um, I'll say, you know, when you're in transition and, and, and you, you get to that point where you're saying, well, I I need to say, I did these, you're not taking anything away from the team. The the team still did that together, but you know, don't be afraid to take ownership of that because you were a big part of that. So, um, I mean, don't say you did anything you didn't do, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's, that's, what's expected because you did do those things. It's just kind of a, a shift of the lexicon, you know, it's, it's, you, you did those things that that's how the civilian world sees it. Don't be afraid to take ownership of that. Um, yeah. So back, back to your military career, what is
1: a pilot in command?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was lucky to come out here to Fort Lewis, um, got to fly out here, flew Blackhawks, got to go to Afghanistan. Um, yeah. I was able to take my pilot in command check ride before I left here and, and got signed off on that. So, I could, you know, the pilot in command is the person who's responsible for the helicopter. So the two pilots in every army helicopter, and um, it's kind of the the pilot and the pilot in command. And then that pilot in command is responsible for that aircraft. So anything that happens and it's a rigorous testing process to say the least. When I went through, you know, every unit's a little different, but when I went through, it was uh, about a week of oral evaluations, flight evaluations. Um, they just kind of set me in a room and said, Hey, well, We'll, we'll come get you in a bit and we'll come in and just barrage me with with oral evaluation on what the black hawk does you know you got to know all the different um, engine temperatures and emergency procedures cuz you just have to know that stuff when when an emergency happens and then you go out and you fly in, in the instruments in the clouds you fly a tactical mission you fly just a performance evaluation so it was a incredibly hands-on process uh, took took a week to do it and was able to complete that before I left Fort Lewis uh, and then get signed off again at, at Fort Hood and flew as a uh, pilot in command for a little bit with the medevac unit there. And then went over to the uh, to the assault battalion and flew the regular Blackhawks again.
1: Now, how does one become a helicopter pilot? I know you would a go to Like, mm-hmm. what's the process? I mean, at West Point, you, you pick your branches. They pick you.
0: Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, it's changed a little bit since I went through um, on the West Point side. But it's a little bit more of a interview type process. When I went through, it was kind of more just what's your class rank uh are, are you high enough um but now it's I, I think it's a little bit more uh finding the right fit for people so yes selecting it out of Rotzi or uh or west point the other of the other path is the path of the warrant officer which um is a great path for either you know enlisted soldiers enlisted also could do kind of the green to gold and fly as an officer or they could uh, go the the warrant officer route and warrant officers fly fly a good bit more so Uh, that's, that's a great route to go. And I mean, they're, they're the technical, tactical experts in the helicopter. So they, they fly more. Um, They're the ones that are primarily the, the instructor pilots, the maintenance pilots. Uh, And and that's who I got to lead, which was awesome. Uh, The, the pilots, and then also the the crew chief maintainers. So um, just, just a high caliber of people, but yeah. So you look at the officer route or the warrant officer route, um, there are options to come in straight from the civilian world to go to warrant officer school and you know, one, one day you're a civilian and you know, six months, a year later you're a warrant officer flying helicopters. So. What was that's last time you flew? Oh gosh, like two years ago now, a year and a half, you two years ago, yeah. you, you were planning on flying again or? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I kind of had planned to go do some fixed wing certifications and, and do some more flying that way, get back up on my rotary certifications, but, uh, COVID kind of put a wrench in that. And then now, uh. Just bought a house, so that's kind of more uh, more pressing uh, than going to Joyride uh, in the skies. But yeah, absolutely. I, lo- I love flying, and I mean, I-, I absolutely miss that about the military getting to go.
1: So, so for those of you who listen to this, and you, I'm sure you're going to look at Eric's profile later on. On Eric's LinkedIn profile, he has the picture of a Kraken, the Seattle's new hockey team. Oh, yeah. So hockey talk. I mean Eric talk about your love of hockey, how you got involved with that, and and how folks to be involved with cracking.
0: Yeah, super super excited about this. So I, I grew up Western New York, Buffalo Sabers fan, um, which is you know has its its highs and its lows, mostly lows uh, at least recently. But love hockey. Um, you know we had a, a minor league team in my hometown, so love going to those games as well. Um, was very excited right when we were moving back out here was when they announced that seattle got the the next franchise and now it's like so close it's like the draft is in a couple weeks uh the season you know a couple months um got on with PitchBook. book it, it's a super exciting place to be it is a you know massively growing organization and and kind of one of the things we said was uh, or not we said uh but the, the marketing partnerships team said was you know we need to 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 get our name out there and and make a move, make a wave, I guess. <laughs> and so they last summer announced that we're one of the founding sponsors of uh, the Seattle Kraken. So it is going to be at the Climate Pledge Arena. It's going to be the the PitchBook Suites. Oh wow! And and we're their financial data provider. So. So, uh, hooking the team up with some PitchBook access as well, and then also some interactive PitchBook experience in the suites themselves. So, if if you uh, if if you get to a suite at a PitchBook game or at a at a game, you'll probably see some some PitchBook uh, in the suite.
1: And where are they playing it again? The hockey team. The
0: hockey team at the Climate Pledge pl- pl- Arena, the old the old Key Arena. Oh, because they were playing the Key Arena. Yeah.
1: Is that is that like a long term plan to stay there or are they can build a arena for them yeah, something, so or something?
0: Yeah, that that place is is totally re- like totally renovated. They Okay. Coach. I have been there like
1: maybe six, seven years ago. I went to a WNBA game It was like, okay, yeah. like, you know, this needs to be updated.
0: Yeah, I, I went yeah, when I was stationed here at Fort Lewis, we went to a few concerts there and, mm-hmm. and some WNBA games and um Yeah, I definitely needed a, a a a refurbish and it I went out there a couple months ago with the family just to go walk around the Space Needle and, mm-hmm. and get some outside time and it is yeah they took it down to the bones and it looks amazing if if you look at any of their social media um that place is going to be a sweet place to catch a hockey game
1: nice i and mean hopefully a, an nba game too yeah i'm sure they'll be sold, probably already sold out for years ahead of time already,
0: i'm guessing yeah well that's kind of why i'm glad that, that PitchBook sponsored them hopefully you know i can get some some tickets through <laughs> through work <laughs> but yeah yeah they're, they're gonna be sold out for a while
1: so next, let's talk about something that you have a love for and the love of bourbon. I do love bourbon. Talk about how you got got involved with that. Like, what,
0: what When you start drinking, how, how do you get involved, like, you know, experts, so to speak? I wouldn't say an expert. Uh, I dabble. I started drinking at 21. And um, yeah, I don't know. Just, um, you know, I, I think bourbon is, is pretty prevalent in, in the military. There's mm-hmm. a lot of guys that love bourbon. Um, so c- c- kind of got into it from there the thing I like about bourbon is you can get a great bottle of bourbon for 30 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's, I love scotch too, but a great bottle of scotch, you're starting at, you know, yeah. 60, I never got the bucks. taste of scotch. I always, I never, I mean, I like it, but it's not, not like bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it, but it's, I, bourbons, bourbons where, where it's at for me. You can get a great bottle for 20, 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, started, you know, kind of flight school down there in the South. And then, um, you know, obviously a, a lot of good bourbon down there in Alabama. Um, right by Kentucky and Tennessee. So uh, yeah, of, kind of started enjoying it there
1: and have- So uh, curious of course for you, when did you go from like, not saying Jack Daniels is bad, Jack Daniels is a
0: good start-up, but when did you go from, like, okay, Jack Daniels like to something else, right? Probably after flight school, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, flight school it was a great time. It was, uh, you know, a bunch of guys living in a house, drinking Jack Daniels but uh, and, and studying, a lot of studying. Um, oh. Yeah, probably when I got out here to Fort Lewis and then went back to Fort Rucker after that. Um, got into just tasting stuff to taste it and and enjoying more of that. So um So yeah. two, two part question. Like, what's your go-to bourbon you saying, and how often like you do try new bourbons? Um my go-to right now is is, is that four roses I told you okay. about. That's a great bourbon. It's um you can get a great bottle of four roses for for twenty bucks. You can step up to like the, the single barrel for you know a, a little bit more um, or uh yeah I mean I, I love Elijah Craig as well yeah. that's like a twenty six dollar bottle and it is delicious um I, I try new bourbons I, I I haven't done a ton of that recently um but i I guess I actually just tried a new one last night so <laughs> but yeah you know every every couple months I'll I'll, yeah. I'll grab a new bottle at at total wine or something and um and and try something new
1: next um, can you talk about how you happen to promote veteran hiring and tech and sales and, and from veterans and military spouses?
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, partially through that work with, with Veterati, um, kind of also just through the network and, and, and trying to talk to people and, and um, help them through the transition. And, and I guess I've recently kind of looked at it as, as, as twofold, you know, how can I help veterans in trans in transition? And then on, on the other hand, how can I help tech companies? Because, mm-hmm. Tech companies are missing out so much great talent. There's there's a ton, and and the, and the larger players, you know, Amazon has a dedicated military, you know, recruiting team. But but some of the smaller, you know, companies, it's just you know, there's there's no ability to have that kind of a dedicated team. There's just the, the size doesn't um, doesn't allow for it. But I but I think a lot of veterans would love to be at a smaller tech company, and because the impact you can make, right, huge impact. So PitchBook. Uh, and don't quote me. I, I forget where we're at today because we literally hire people all the time. I, I think we're somewhere between 15 and 1700 people. I think we'll be at close to 2000 by the end of the year. Um, I think we hired 400 people throughout COVID. So it's like, we're growing like crazy. Um, but it still feels like that's kind of small mm-hmm. family feel. It feels like a, a battalion or a brigade, you know, it, yeah. it feels like that. You kind of know everybody you at least knows somebody in every unit. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas, you know, I, I think a lot of people love working at Amazon as well, but you that it's just a very different dynamic at a, at a company that big, uh, or, you know, at a Microsoft. So, and, and, I, and I think people don't know about the smaller tech companies of the world, you know, the... Um,
1: yeah, like like how many military veterans know to go to AngelList, right? Yeah. And look for a startup. Like I tell people AngelList is like, for you to know AngelList is angellist.co, not Angie, but AngelList. Right. Dot go is based like the main thing for startups, right? Mm-hmm. Start so people post jobs on there. People raise funds. It's another great place to find a job.
0: Yeah, where I had success, uh, and I'll absolutely plug this organization. Um, built in Seattle, uh, it's a like tech website. They'll have job postings. Mm-hmm. They do um, highlight stories on companies in town, and they they host events. So that the event that I met people from PitchBook at was at a built in Seattle event, um, and, and they have one for most of the kind of the tech hubs. There's a Built in San Francisco, Austin, Boston, New York, mm-hmm. Colorado. So there's there's kind of one for all the main tech hubs. And if you're looking to kind of get into that space, it's a great way to just kind of know who the players are. Um, subscribe to newsletters. Um, there, there's 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 a lot you can do that isn't a huge lift. It's just kind of learning and checking stuff out on the internet, and then eventually going to going to some events. So, um, but yeah, it's it, it's not just going to fall on your lap, you know. No. You got to go, you got to go out and find it. So two
1: part question from um, what you observe is seeing what are military veterans getting wrong about trying to get tech jobs? And then what are tech companies getting wrong about bringing on military talent?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I I think the main thing veterans are, are missing out on is those smaller tech companies and they just don't know about them. And, you know, also kind of what we talked about earlier where, you know, just hey, I, I I threw my resume out to every job on Amazon and uh, and Microsoft. And, yeah, Amazon has hundred jobs. And I and applied they, every single job on Amazon, and they didn't call me back. Um, I mean, there are ways to break into big companies like that, and it's more of a you know, I I always tell people don't stop applying. There are people that will tell you don't 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 apply, just network your way in, keep applying because I got into PitchBook on a cold apply. It, it it works. There you know, it's it's a low percentage, but it works. Um, but you also have to understand for those bigger companies, it's not a person, you know, looking at your resume. It's probably a, um, you know, a, a computer system. How can you get through that? There's some optimization, you know, that you can do with the resume to, to get through that. But then also it is the human touch, the networking. Get to know the military recruiting team at Amazon or Microsoft. Um, get to know those smaller tech companies where a person will look look at your profile because they're going to get, you know, 10 or 15 applications for a job instead of, 500 um so yeah it's kind of a blended approach that i always recommend to people Mm. of hey keep applying places and and also do that personal touch you know reach out don't be afraid to send a linkedin message to the recruiting team at amazon they're gonna love it
1: and do something different like maybe you know they get ten thousand emails maybe you send them a find their instagram and some instagram dm maybe send a tweet or you know something stand out
0: somehow Go, go to that event and you know Get to know them, and then follow, and then follow up. Following up is huge, and say, "Hey, I met you at this event. Love what you had to say about um, about the company. Would love to talk more." And you know, make make an informational interview, something. Um, but it is, I mean, it's a full time job to get a job. So <laughs> no doubt, <laughs> and, and and that's where it goes back to, you know, taking time for yourself in transition to to be successful and take care of yourself and your family. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, and I would say on the company side, I think, um, I, I think there's just, there's so such a great pool of veteran talent that a lot of companies don't know about. And it, it's kind of one of those that you just don't know about it cause you don't know about it. And it's, you don't know about it cause it's hard and it's hard to translate veteran resumes sometimes, but the, you know, you think of all the brilliant people we worked with in, in the army, in any of the services, um, There's a ton of talent and technical talent too. like people that can learn a computer system pretty quickly can learn to, um, you know, talk technically about something on a sales call can aren't afraid to pound the phone and make sale. Like military people are so dedicated and so enthusiastic and go-getters that um, I, I think a lot of times they don't check the right boxes. So they'll fall by the wayside on some of those interviews or, you know, get screened out. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of great organizations out there that are that are helping um, companies get through that. And I, I think a lot of it just comes from having a veteran or veterans at the company, you know, taking a chance on on somebody and then building that program out because there's a lot of good talent out there.
1: So Eric, let's, let's talk about fundraising, but a different aspect, right? We'll, t- we'll talk about startups raising funds in a minute, but I mean, I could be wrong, but I, think, I don't think a lot of startup founders realize how hard it is for VCs to raise money, right? I think yeah. a lot of startup founders, cause I thought this, you're like, John Brown, the VC, has $10 million. I got, and if it's my job, convinced am giving it right. No, John Brown has to go to other people and know, I won't say beg for money, but kind of beg for money, right? Yeah. And I would think it's harder for them because, like, I, I'm getting money from people, like $100 million fund. They have to find people with billions of dollars and convince them, you know, this has to be a really small pool. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how that works?
0: Yeah, and that and that's and one of the reasons I chose PitchBook was they had such a great training program and it was immersion in this space that, like for you know I mentioned learning about the company I you know I, I googled what is PE and VC for my interview, uh, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with and that. that was and that was a question <laughs> and, and, that, I, and, and I got it right wrong, there's nothing wrong with that and, but they said hey that's cool that's all you need to know we'll teach you everything else and they and they did it's a two week PitchBook University to work there and everyone goes through it so you know. What does an investment bank do? What is a Series A versus Series B versus Seed? Um, so I, I love that because I had no clue. <laughs> I didn't know, but they were you know again we're willing to take a chance, willing to train me. Um, and and so you know now I, I mentioned yeah I'm working more more with the investors, more with the larger. I still work with some startups, but um, it's hard out there for for VCs to raise that money. They have to go. Um, you know they'll raise a fund and like you said it is a you know maybe a 10 20 50 100 million dollar fund that they're then going to invest in five, 10, 20 startups and you know of course VC is a little bit more high risk so yeah maybe a couple of those work out great exit and you know they make returns for their their partners and those partners are the big what we call institutional investors or, or limited partners and they are, Think like pensions, endowments, universities, foundations, um, anybody with a lot of money. Like you said, billions and billions of dollars. And, and lots of money, lots of money they can afford, you know, to lose. Yeah, and, 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 and they're diversifying their risk. They have they have a public equities profile. They have a private equity. They have a venture capital, real estate. So, uh, and, and that's why we call them limited partners because there's limited risk. Um, that, that, that's one of the reasons. So. Um, they're going out there to these LPS and they're doing the same thing startup founders are doing they're saying hey this is me I'm Jason I'm raising this hundred million dollar fund and this is my thesis this is why I'm going to be successful um, and they're going through the through the ringer with it with you know just like startup founders are to to raise that fund and then that's why they put startup founders through the ringer as well because they have to be good you know fiduciary stewards of that of that money it's not
1: their money it's some other person's
0: money yeah Yeah. playing with other other people's money they can oh i like drinking
1: beer with you and i like your product out here's like 10 million dollars yeah hey hey,
0: jason's got a cool beard uh so i'm gonna you know throw him a check that that doesn't happen um
1: (laughs) yeah and and thing with the, the the investors too it's um for them, like, like being a startup is not easy, but I think VC is even harder, right? Because, like, you might get a one, like, one out of ten might be a home run, right? And that's your you count mm-hmm. on, right? You got to go through all these failures. Yeah. Everyone sees the failures. Like, man, you know. Yeah, you can't
0: hide them. Everybody knows. And because it, cause it's on PitchBook. <laughs> yeah, like, you, like you keep <laughs> yeah. on
1: picking wrong, right? But, but you don't have your success at, like, ten years down the road.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, those institutional investors use PitchBook for is how can we vet managers, how can we see their experience either back when they were an entrepreneur, if, if they're, you know, kind of going that operator route or at their previous investment firm, what, what deals were they a part of, were they a part of some of those home runs at a bigger firm and now they're striking out on their own. Um, And then their history as a firm themselves, what, what have they done? Have they had a couple home runs or, or did they have a pretty good batting average? Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of some of the intel we give to our clients.
1: So Eric, if you're a lawyer, you gotta go to law school, you HR get certified, accountants have certifications, even mechanics have certifications. Is there any anything like that for VCs? Or you just say, I'm Jason Cavanus, I'm maybe VC.
0: Yeah, it depends. Um the, there are some that will come up, you know, through the through the ranks of um the investment world, maybe investment banking into a role as an associate at a or an analyst at a private equity or venture capital firm, eventually make partner. Uh, there, like I mentioned, kind of the operator route where, uh, maybe your, your startup, maybe Cavus HR strikes it big next to unicorn, um, you exit and now you're looking for something to do with all that money. So, uh, go start a VC fund, join a VC fund. Um, th- th- those kind of, I think the two primary routes people take, there's no, I mean, there's no VC university. Um, I don't think there's a standard route to it for anybody. Um,
1: so I know a picture You probably see like There's the Seattle startup scene Austin, Boston All the different tech startup scenes Yeah What are like similarities And differences you've seen all, the, all all these different scenes Like uh, is like 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 is like If you're a startup company in Seattle You might get evaluated at 2 million whereas San six is 4 million Or somewhere else Like different things Like Is like a seed round In Seattle Really like an A round In Boston Or is it all like Pretty much
0: the same Yeah I'll, I'll say it's kind of Getting normalized After you know Post COVID And Um yeah, I, I think kind of the conventionalism has been everybody wants to be the Bay Area, um, but the Bay Area is worried about everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. taking their good startups. So, um, yeah, and, and, and yeah, th- there is some truth to, you know, kind of a, a discount outside the, you know, the the, the Silicon Valley Bay Area. Um, Starting to see that kind of go away as, you know, I think kind of an impact of COVID where um, p- people can command a higher price in other areas. Um, it's more just, hey, I, I, I think we see more of a split industry-wise than mm-hmm. we do um, geographical at this point. But but there is a little bit of a difference, however slight.
1: So you talked about some already, but what exactly does PitchBook do? Or a better question is, what does PitchBook not do?
0: Yeah. So PitchBook, uh, we track everything in the private markets. Public markets too, like, like you mentioned, we're, we're, uh, we were acquired by Morningstar back in 2016. Um, they were actually in on the seed round, um, back in the day, back in 2007, when our founder, uh, John was out fundraising, <laughs> just like you are, um, they were in on, on the seed round. And so they've been a kind of a partner from the beginning. We're in on the A and they acquired us, uh, back in 2016. Amazing partnership. Um, they kind of still let us have our own brand mm-hmm. run the private market side of things. And
1: so it's kind of like when Amazon bought it, it was like Zappos and Whole Foods, Amazon owns those companies. They pretty much mm-hmm. operate their own. So pretty much same, same concept.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we're like a wholly owned subsidiary. We still operate under the PitchBook brand. Um, and, and what we do is any kind of financial data on the private markets, uh, you know, we've been talking about startups, venture capital. We'll also track private equity, um, real assets, so anything like real estate, infrastructure funds, um, debt. We do a great job of tracking the the private debt space um, and a, a variety of uses for that. I, I talk. well, that's one of the things I love about PitchBook is it's not. You know, I'm selling, uh, you know, one product to one client type. I'm selling this product that does a hundred different things, and I'll be on a call with a, an investment bank in South America in the morning, and a startup in Boulder, Colorado in the afternoon, and I'll end my day with a you know, limited partner, a pension fund in Asia. Like it, it, it's such a diverse client. I never get bored because we do we do so much. You can do so much with our data and I, I get to work with a lot of really really cool people.
1: So I know you can I know that's probably your secret sauce, but you can tell me how you get the data, is it scrapes from somewhere or is it like a website you pull pull stuff from or Yeah, you're,
0: you're asking the hard questions now. So um, <laughs> yeah, we, we start with gathering everything that's out there publicly. So if you can find it out there, it's probably on pitchbook. If we can if we can verify it. So we've We grab everything that's out there, we verify, validate, we do that with a human team. Um, We've got some cool AI machine learning processes to gather that info and we, we verify it. What separates us from other, maybe just regular data providers, is that we have a human team that's picking up the phone and calling those VC investors, those investment banks, sending out quarterly surveys. So it's a it's a very like a two for approach, the technical approach, yeah, technical and, and, still and then a a human, human approach, and it's incredibly human capital intensive. I think about half the people at PitchBook, maybe more than that, are our research team.
1: Do a VC will reach out to you? Not that you personally, but someone on the PitchBook says, "Hey, you know, on PitchBook it says like I have like twenty five million dollars in dry powder, Now those don't dry powder means the money they can invest in your company." Yeah, twenty five million dollars. Well, actually, that's incorrect. It's actually like a different number, right?
0: Yeah, that'll happen, and, and and that's kind of one of the one of the feedback loops that we have to correct that information. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's the private markets; it'll never be perfect, and and we 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 accept that. But we're going to be as good as we can. And so, yeah, we'll, we take feedback from actual investors, from people that are on the platform, to uh, to correct that. And we, we've got some great partnerships with people that aren't clients so that just say, "Hey, I want to have my right info on there." Um, so yeah, we, we, that research team is, is always working to improve the data set every day.
1: So is PitchBook more for VCs
0: and investors or more for people raising funds Both a combination? Yeah, both. It's, I mean, it's a combo. It's, um, you know, it definitely hits the sweet spot with VC and MPE general partner investors because, you know, those are the guys that are going to be spending all day every day on PitchBook, um, de- depending on, on their role at the firm. Um, but yeah it is an, a super powerful tool for a startup looking to raise money because you can see like you said I want to see the investors that invest in HR Tech that have dry powder that are you know active in the last few years that's a search that'll take you 35 seconds yeah. when you when you do that on your own that's gonna take a couple of weeks at least maybe and if you even know what to look at yeah yeah and, and you might just be missing a huge portion and um, you know f- VC funds, really any investor will, maybe they'll say their their thesis is one thing, but they're actually investing in something else because they're seeing, you know, an opportunity there. So PitchBook is a way to kind of check that and and find those unique opportunities that you might not find elsewhere.
1: Yeah, one good thing about PitchBook too, and, and, and Eric will do his demo in a, in, in a few minutes, is like, like suppose you're raising funds and an investor will come to you, hey, you know, Jason, like, I, I really like your company. Here's $200,000, 30% of your company. Go to PitchBook. Two hundred percent wouldn't even so. I can actually give you one percent of my company, right? So you yeah. can call it, kind of call it bullfair, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I would say valuations are an art and a science, yeah, in, in the VC world, um, not as not as clear cut as it is on the public equity side. Um, but you can see what else is out there. What is the going rate for an HR tech startup in Seattle? Um, what what other deals have recently happened that we can use as a comp to say? And, and also yeah for startup founders when when do i just say no that's yeah. that's not a deal i'm interested and then in even a
1: deep diver like someone's invested invest, interested in investing in your company like you know john brown vc from we'll say austin right mm-hmm. you can go there and see everything he's invested in did that company make it you know and then those invest in tech companies you can do you know, research okay let me reach out to these 10 startup founders yeah did this guy add value size money or
0: you know yeah it's it's yeah, like you said yeah i don't want to say anybody can go out there and and and, and find money but there's a lot of capital out there. There's a lot of dry powder out there. How do you find somebody that's a good fit for you? You know, how do you find that smart money? That's going to be a value add on your board that has a track record of success. Um, and then the other piece of it on Pagebook is, well, who else do they invest with? Who do they co-invest on rounds with? And how do we get introductions to those people? So that's kind of the next level of, all right, I got John Brown VC, but I I, I need to you know he's not going to be the only check writer on this round i need to find five or six other investors well who do i know to you know, you know who to ask for introductions from him to
1: yeah and you know what that's a good point. i think it's a big disconnect like a lot of star founders like they're trying to raise funds they're getting get full calls they're having a hard time but according to pitchbook and all the resources there's lots and lots of drop out of there. there's so much money out there it's just the fact you got to yeah. put yourself in the, in the right position to get it convinced them to give to you right because like i said they're gonna give it to you, right? They're like they yeah. they've had to go through the struggle themselves, they had to grind for this the fun, and you, know, you gotta you gotta sell them something,
0: yeah. And and they're sitting there on PitchBook looking at that valuation data too, and and that's kind of how they're they're bracketing those negotiations. That's well, that's one way. So having that kind of insight as a startup founder is a huge advantage to know, kind of know what what they're gonna offer. Whoa, that's way outside of what I expected. That's not somebody I want to work with. Um, or maybe there's you know there's always some extenuating factor that could cause that but um yeah it it, it you know and especially coming from the military it gives you the intel you need to go on the mission that's, that's all it is is intel it's intel that's all it is is intel and that's yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking with uh with some of the folks at pitch book about hiring more veterans and i was like we need to get some intel analysts i mean y'all got some like mili- research y'all, y'all got some military of people in there <laughs> yeah we, we we we've got some really smart people people that would have Done amazingly well as like human intelligence analysts. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity at PitchBook for um, you know. I think more people on the sales team. I think there's a lot of opportunity on the research team, on the product team to to bring out more vets. In so.
1: PitchBook, you, you're like world wide, right? You'll deal with startups
0: in South America, Africa, Europe, oh yeah, everywhere. We, and we've got offices in uh, Seattle, obviously, is our, is our home, our yeah. headquarters. We've got an office in San Francisco, uh, New York. London. We just opened our Hong Kong office. Um, we've got a few people that sit in Chicago as well. So it is a global organization. We track everything from startups in Africa to you know investors in um, Uzbekistan. They're on PitchBook.
1: So next question: I'm um, sure you, you know a lot of startup founders raising money. Have some successful, mm-hmm. most not. You know, unfortunately, what are the successful ones doing right,
0: or what are the unsuccessful ones doing wrong? The successful ones are are using every avenue and every tool at their disposal, and they, I don't care if it's PitchBook or not. I would love for more people, more start founders, to use PitchBook. We've got a ton that do, and they see an outsized success rate. But whatever you're doing, don't just you know if something's not working, don't keep doing it. I, I talked to some; they're like, "Yeah, I can't raise money." And you're like, okay, okay, what are you doing? Well, I'm just, you know, working with the network and nobody wants to invest in me. And it's like, well, look outside your network then.
1: And it has a lot of Seattle too, right? Like Seattle investors are great, but a lot, you know, they don't invest in everything. I know mm-hmm. some of you start founders like, they hear two or three no from Seattle founders or Seattle Angel Conference, whatever the case may be, and they stop, right? Have you thought about going to Bay Area, like, you know, get a hotel room for a
0: month? Have you, you know, I mean, there's so many other opportunities yeah. out there, right? And and don't be afraid to to do cold outreach, mm-hmm. cold fundraising outreach, people, a lot of founders are scared of that and don't think it works. People only write checks to people they know if they have a warm introduction. That's not true. I talked to a lot of investors and they have had great opportunities that came across their plate because somebody sent them a pitch deck in an email.
1: So I want to quickly give a shout out to Nick Hughes. He's a part of Founders Live. About uh, four months ago, he put a, a good Excel spreadsheet. He got with a lot of investors and it's was like, I, don't, I, don't, I think it was 20 investors there and he put it out to the community. they was like, hey, this do a advice. invite. So like, I, I, I personally would like do calls, like 20 of them, right? And some of your investors want to do that. They want to reach out to you and hear your idea, right? But mm-hmm. you gotta, like, if I didn't know Nick Hughes, if I didn't go to Live at two or three years ago, I wouldn't know Nick Hughes, you know, and the opportunity would have been there.
0: Yeah, and I and I think that's part of it too. You know, don't take that no as, as a door closed. That's a new connection you just made. Yep. And that's somebody else that's in the network. Um, maybe it's an opportunity. Um, and yeah, I I think people that are going out there finding an accelerator to do, finding some other way to get the name out there to, to grow that, um, that community that knows about them is it's key. And it, it's a full-time job fundraising, (laughs) you you know, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but you you still got a company to run. Um, I mean, and and a lot of people, a lot of startup founders see value in PitchBook just for that, just like the data is amazing. It's, it's everything you're going to need, but also just the efficiency, the fact that you can do it. Quickly.
1: And the thing with fundraising too, I got like some great advice. I had an interview with a guy named uh, Michal Tricot. He has a company called Airbyte out of the Bay Area. Okay, They just raised, I'm making this number up, they just raised like a $10 million B round, $20 million B round. Nice. His advice was like a lot of founders, they like spread out, they like fundraise a little bit here, a little bit here. You know, six months later, still so money said like, you gotta fucking just suck it up and go all in for a month, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta say, you gotta have somebody else you trust, a co-founder say, hey, you have to run the company. You as a founder, you have to be all in for three three, month, three at least a month, right? Yeah. And this after a month, have a raised no funds? Maybe you know, go back to the drawing board. You said you got to suck it up and just just do it for a month. You can't draw it out; it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, there are services out there that will help you raise the money or raise the money for you, and some great services. And for some companies, that's a fit. A lot of the investors I talk to will say, if, "Yeah, if you're not doing the fundraising yourself, that that tells me something." Yeah, I always heard that too. Yeah, but I mean, there are some places where it's a great fit, and that's a great service. Um, but yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to get out there, roll up your sleeves and, and get dirty for a couple months. And, and just like,
1: I'm thinking, raising funds is like sales, right? You gotta, we get used to hearing no all the time. Oh,
0: it's great. I love getting told no.
1: No, your idea sucks, yeah. no one's gonna give you money. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah, it happens a lot. You just, I mean, and that's one of the things I think, you know, military people are great startup founders, are great salespeople because whatever, I got told no. I mean, okay, okay. Did, he, did he yell did, at me? Did he, he yell at me? Did I, did I die? <laughs> did I die? Yeah, like. <laughs> Who cares, yeah. man? So, like,
1: my story was that like I, I was a AG officer in the Army, like in Army, right? I, one time I had to do a briefing and this two-star general just reamed my ass, right? Yeah. And it's like, if I can take that and bounce back, so I got a ream up from the two-star general the next day, give me a coin because I proved so go. much, right? Yeah. If I can handle that, yeah. Some, someone would give me no time, you know, yeah, whatever, right?
0: Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that's one of the advantages you have coming out of the military. You're used to, yeah. Get, getting reamed out, Skull, getting, skull gets, drugged, <laughs> yeah. skull drugs in the mud. Um, yeah, yeah, going to see your school and having them, uh, you know, hey, did I, get, did I get hit in the face? Did I get locked in a, a closet or whatever? No. Okay, cool. This wasn't yeah. that bad of a day. Um, And honestly, hey, a, a no is, is valuable. A lot hey, that's, better than it may be. And, and a lot of a times no it'll be a no with a feedback, you know, maybe, it, well, hey, not not for now, Jason, but you know, I'd be really interested on in your series B or C. Yeah, Keep keep me in the Rolodex. And here's a couple other people to talk to. So it, it's all about getting out there. It, it is a absolute slog at times, but like we said, the, the money's out there.
1: Here's one for you, you hear this all the time. Like you hear people say, well, if you go to like, if I if I go to an investor and they say no, but they say, well, Jason, you're not for me, but I'm a, a um. Refer you to someone else. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say don't do that because the second investor say, well, the first one is investing. Why, why should I invest right? But then to go to the Pittsburgh, i like, well, maybe this first investor don't invest because they have no drug powder. They have like, they can't, Is that work? work. Yeah. Why not take the referral? But a lot of investors, they will tell you, well, not not to do it right. I just think that's bad advice.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I'd probably agree. I, th- I think there's a, a number of reasons somebody wouldn't invest in a startup and it's not always because it's a bad idea or a bad founder team or uh, whatever. It's just hey, maybe it's not a fit for the fund. Maybe they are. Maybe they already have a similar uh, company in in the fund, and you know they don't want to invest in this strategy again. So, yeah, I think there's five million reasons why somebody wouldn't invest. And if if they're willing to make that introduction or tell you to pursue somebody else, that's probably a good thing. Um, so we've
1: been talking about startups all over the world. Let's focus on Seattle for a minute. Yeah, since we're in the Seattle area. What excites you about the Seattle tech area? What like new technologies coming out? What new companies coming out? Like something like okay, I can't wait to, this to be public.
0: I, I'm super excited for the next ten years in Seattle. I I think we see so many startups that were uh, founded by and still every day by Microsoft alumni. I'm excited for the Amazon alum. There's so many great minds that are growing at that company, and it's such a time of growth there. They're doing a lot of really cool stuff. I'm excited for those people to break out and, and some already have, there's some really great startups from Amazon alums, but I I think just there's a, going to be a great ecosystem of, of Amazon alumni founders and from the other great companies in Seattle as well. But, um, kind of, I think we're at this inflection point where tech is just growing exponentially. There's more and more people getting into it. And there's, um, just a ton I, me personally excited about Seattle. I'm excited for the space scene. Uh, you know, we've got, Blue origin here. SpaceX has All their the AR, AR, VR. The, yeah. You know, there's next like generation take over in Redmond. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of satellite work over there. Um, some more traditional, you know, defense firms as well. Boeing, um, Aerojet rocket, Dyne, a lot of really great companies, but then, yeah, the project, uh, Kaper project, there's Spaceflight up in, uh, um, Lake union. that's doing a lot of cool stuff with their black sky satellites. Um, worked recently with, uh, Starfish space, a couple of, of uh, UW, uh, alums that are doing a, a really cool thing in space. They got their first launch coming up on Friday, I think. So I think there's a lot of great space tech that's going to come out in Seattle. In addition to that other, just general tech, general Amazon alum, Microsoft alums, but me, and, I, and I think space is cool. So sure. I'm, I'm excited for that. I think there's a huge space scene here.
1: And so you probably know this building than I can't, but you always hear like, you're like, I know there's a lot of angel investors for, like from Amazon, Microsoft, but I never really like anyone from Starbucks being an angel investor. It's like, that'd be a good opportunity for like a lot of people from Starbucks being, doing yeah, that
0: too. Yeah. I'm not sure of anyone specifically, um, I do know the Schultz family does a ton yeah. of work with with vets, mm-hmm. with the, um, and the name of the program is going to escape me now. Through Syracuse for for veterans to get there, uh, uh, IMVS like yeah, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Starbucks also a sponsor of Bunker Labs too. They do a, oh, we yeah. do a thing with them called Bunker Neck. We awesome. do like once a quarter. We got to get back doing that too. They'll be a yeah. sponsor of Bunker Labs also.
0: Yeah, they do a lot of really good, a lot of really good work for veterans. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure of any specific angels. from Okay, there though.
1: Can You always say like uh, I'm an Amazon investor. i page
0: book. Exactly. <laughs>
1: All right, so next we're going to go do this demo. So first I'm going to share my screen so I can pull up the PitchBook website. And then me and Eric are going to have to change
0: chairs. All right, so we talked about PitchBook database of all this private market information, public market too. We integrate all Morningstar's info onto PitchBook itself. Um, But how, you know, how startup founders, how VCs access this is through the web portal here. Um, Call it PitchBook platform. What we're looking at is the uh, the dashboard as we open it up here in, in the morning to do some fundraising work. Uh, you know, we'll get uh, kind of a news feed here on, you know, based on our, what we're working on the platform. So PitchBook kind of learns what we're doing. We'll curate content directly towards us. Um, and, and we'll keep this somewhat high level, but we'll use the fundraising example. You know, we're here talking about entrepreneurs and, and startup founders, so um, we'll run like a company and deal search. So massive database of info. We're going to layer a number of filters onto it to, um, to find exactly what we're looking for. Maybe I want to target specific investors that have a specific, uh, investor history. So I will go to this investor search actually. That'll be better. So I guess we use your company as an example, Jason. We could just use any, we could make it up, but, um, so yeah you're you're a startup founder raising money and it doesn't have to be for for canvas hr but you know what what industry are are you looking to raise money for let's do a ed tech. Ed tech, tech I like it so you know we can come here look at what industry deals are happening in down here to ed tech itself we've got a number of verticals a lot of cool tech ag tech ai ed tech so we'll throw ed tech on here Pitch will give us recommendations. Maybe, you know, we want to throw on educational software as an industry as well. Um, we could throw on keywords. We could do Boolean search logic. We can get really fancy with it, but we'll just kind of keep it general for this. So now we're looking at just the 15 and a half thousand EdTech investors. Only 15,000. Only 15,000. <laughs> Pretty easy to figure it out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's only gonna take you a couple of years to get through. So
1: w- w- what, you know,
0: what round are you raising? What kind of capital are you looking for?
1: Seed? So here's a good question for you. I- Talk about the terminology, like some people say like it's pre-seed seed A, some people say round one, round two, round three. Is it, does that really matter?
0: Yeah. I mean, people will call it different things and there's no, you know, one definition of a seed versus a series A. And I think for some industries it's different, you know, a, a space tech seed round that, you know, like we were just talking about is going to look like a series A or even maybe a series B for some, like just because the amount of capital that that industry requires. Um, let's say like we're raising... Uh, You know, maybe we want to look at like the seed and series A investors. So let's go like seed, series A. Now we're, you know, we just cut that list in half. Here's 6,000 investors. Um, Maybe I want to target investors that are just doing deals in the U.S., U.S. headquarter companies. So here's 3,300 investors that are doing, you know, U.S. deals. We could look where, you know, where is the investor located? Dry powder amounts, whatever. Let's look maybe. Maybe we want to target U S investors for some reason, or even uh, a a sub region of that, but we'll just kind of look at U S.
1: So are you doing this? Do some investors only like, only invest, like, of course they only invest like certain verticals, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. just HR tech or ed tech, but some of them only invest like only Seattle, only Dallas, only Austin.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely see that. And it's usually like, you know, the firm's purpose is to promote whatever tech in Seattle or in, um. Texas, so it, it's usually pretty pretty clear that that that's what it is, okay. you know. Capital Factory uh, in in Austin isn't isn't doing a ton of deals in Seattle. So obviously, um, you're trying to raise money. You might not want to reach out to someone
1: who only raises money in a certain area, right? Because you're wasting both your time and their time.
0: So so for this now, maybe we just want to see people doing deals in the last few years. So I'll throw a, a date filter on there. All right, we got under a thousand. Still a pretty big list. Uh, there are some ways we can we can sort and filter this here in a second. But, We'll just run this search. How long did that take us? Seconds, maybe a minute. That was pretty pretty easy. And now I can look, and I have this list sorted by most investments that meet our criteria. So most EdTech investments in the US seed series A last three years. Here's the list. Um, You know, again, a thousand investors, some of these guys are doing a whole lot of deals. We can, you know, really quickly see their investments (laughs) against their total, how much of a percentage of their portfolio is EdTech. Um, you mentioned uh, dry powder, we can see their total AUM that's assets under management in millions. We see their dry powder in millions as well. What What do they have in the checkbook in the fund ready to deploy right now? now million,
1: that's a million dollars. That's a minimum amount. Like, can you see who has like $500,000 or, yeah. Yeah, okay. you can see
0: like, um, yeah, some of these here are like social start Some of these accelerators will have like smaller amounts, but yeah, yeah here's one under a million. Um, so yeah, we'll, 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 we'll always track that. But maybe if, it, even if it's low, maybe we can go in and see they have an open fund. Mm-hmm. So they're actively fundraising. Great time to talk to an investor as they're raising mm-hmm. a fund about to start doing deals. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, th- I mean, that's a quick way to find a list of investors from here on PitchBook. You know, we would dive into the, into the investor profile itself. And now we can see all the info. This is Rethink Capital Partners. That was at the top of the list. They've got quite a bit of dry powder here.
1: Now the rank order is like one, two, three, four. Does that does that order matter? Or is that any certain thing or yeah,
0: go back? That's I, I set that up custom, so okay. that, that okay. and that's just like a, a layout I have. Okay, um, but that I just have it sorted by investments that matter criteria because I want to okay. find people that are doing a lot of deals mm-hmm. in this space. Maybe I want to find people that aren't doing a lot of deals in this space, but um, you know we can sort and filter all these columns to find what we need. Um, maybe I I, I don't want to talk to the the big VCs. I only want to find people that have you know less than a billion under management, it's really easy to go in here and play with this data. Um, and then it's the deeper dive on, I don't know about Rethink. I don't know anything mm. about Rethink Capital Partners. Here we can see, oh, they're in White Plains. Cool. Um, they do a bunch of ed, ed tech work, looks like. We can see who's on the team, who's doing what deals. Mm. Oh, at bigger firms especially, that's important, yeah. you know, if you're looking at a Sequoia where they do everything. <laughs> Who's the ed tech partner? Who's leading the ed tech deals? That's important to know, so you're not reaching out to the wrong person. Um, partners, associates. So it, it's it's really a, a good picture of the firm. We'll have their phone numbers, email, LinkedIn, allowing you to get in touch with them. Um, you can see what board seats they're on. Important if you want to know how they are as a, a board partner. Yeah, as a, yeah. might out, be important. I'm going to reach out to uh you know one of these companies and see, hey, how how is this person on the board? Because that's important to know. Um. Again, lead partners on the deals. I mean, we we can go super in depth here.
1: He has like phone numbers, emails. Yeah, we've got, yeah contact information. And, and,
0: and PitchBook is te- We have a team that tests that, that to yeah. make sure it's accurate. Um. And then here, you know, this is kind of the, the the nuts and bolts of the investor profile. Here's the deals they're doing. Here's one from a couple of days ago that they just did. And here's the twelve co-investors on that round. So, um. How how do they exit companies? You know, is it a lot of M A looks like for this firm? A couple, a lot of businesses. That's that's pretty typical. But um, you know, are, are they having a lot, a of business in just one or two home runs, or mm-hmm. do they have a pretty good track record of helping build companies? Um, and the other people, yeah. The other the other part of it. Who else do they work with? How do we find more com- more investors like Rethink? Because maybe um, you talk to the partner X at Rethink Capital, and they're like, Hey, love it. We're in. Find find you know find more investors though, mm-hmm. let me know what you need. And of course you're gonna say, "Oh yeah, just send my deck to everybody you know. <laughs> no, hey, send my deck to the partners at, you know, to this partner at mm-hmm. Reach, yeah. at Salesforce Ventures, at Strata. And that's, I mean, you're saving them time. They're gonna love that. Yeah, and they know you've done the research. And they know you know what you're talking about. It just helps build your brand as a founder. Um, of course we could go further in, in depth on on all this data on on the investor. That's kind of the main parts for founders though. Um, and then the other piece of it is going to be, you know, like like you mentioned, the valuation side mm-hmm. of it. So we can also see what like what other deals are happening in the space. Um, Here's some some really recent deals. Let's go here. can Look at like the actual financial data of these deals. So things like the deal size. Again, in, this is in millions. What equity is acquired by the investors? Mm-hmm. That's pretty important. Um, pre and post money valuations. So. Yeah. What other checks are out there? What comps are, are going on? What are the big deals I need to know about? As a founder as well, as, mm-hmm. as you're building that pitch deck, as you're talking to investors. Um, and then we can even distill that down into um, a pivot table. We could bring it into Excel to work with the data there. There's an Excel plugin. Um, but here, all right, what are the year over year trends at the different fundraising points? Cap invested, pre-money, post-money, percent acquired. So. Yeah, if I'm an ed tech company raising a seed right now, they're looking. You know, the median is three and a half million at a nine million pre twelve point two post. And these all numbers,
1: terminology I found you need to be spot yeah, on with, the right?
0: And and you and you can expect to give up about thirty percent of your company for that three and a half million. That that's what the going rate for an ed tech startup is right now. Of course, with this, we could then split that into geographies. We could look mm. at Bay Area versus Seattle versus you know what have you. a a, a lot we could do with it, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, this is giving you the intel you need to negotiate with investors.
1: Now, can you show how how this will work from the VC side? Like what do you show the VC, how does the VC research startup Mm -hmm. companies on here?
0: Yeah. So the valuation side of this is pretty similar. Yeah. What what are the last, last few years of deals in, in this space I'm interested in investing in, um, we might look at like a sourcing search. So, and, and, and I'm happy if, if any of the listeners are interested to kind of customize this for them on a, on a one-on-one call. But, um, yeah, maybe we want to build a similar search. I want to find people that raise a seed in, we can pick something else, maybe just IT in general. They raise an IT seed, but they haven't raised something in a minute. Like, we kind of know the burn rates, the median time <laughs> between rounds. You're looking to raise a Series A, you know, 12 to 14 months after mm-hmm. your seed. Depends a little bit on, on industry, but, so I'm going to say I want to look, you know, people that haven't raised money in about a year are in the U S it's still a pretty big list. So maybe I want to cut this down even more and I want to find uh, maybe we'll look something more specific than it, um, like SAS or something. SAS. All right. So th- this would be like a sourcing search. I'm a mm-hmm. series a investor. I want to know who's out there in the seed world. They raise seed money, they're about to raise another round because you know you got to know about it before it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'd run this search and say, okay, here, here are the people, if I'm a venture associate, venture analyst, and I'm trying to make, try to make a name for myself, <laughs> I want to find the next- Hot thing. The next hot thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm operating within the, the thesis of my firm. I know what the partners are going to like, but here are the people I'm interested in. Here's the list of those that raise a seed, haven't raised money in about a year probably out looking for a doing research around. this
1: company doing well they're doing yeah, bad they, yeah. they, 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 they're doing business
0: yep and, and now I'm coming in to look at you know some of the deeper deal you know software tools okay yeah remote work culture whatever remote work is over we're going back to the office it's not really true <laughs> um, so uh, yeah I can see what those seed deals were here similar to that last screen. And like, like vice versa, like, like founders do
1: their research. This analyst can you know, oh, yeah. do the research too. They can reach out to their seed investors. Hey, you know, was this, what, how does this company act to yeah. were, they, were they coachable? Were they cooperative? Did mm-hmm. they, you know, listen to lessons learned?
0: Yeah. Who else is on, on that cap are you, table? Are you going
1: to reinvest, you know?
0: Yeah. And so now we can come here and look at like the deal history. We can see, you know, here's that most recent round. Um, Here's the cap table. Get into, all right, what happened on this round? Who who was in on the deal? Who do we need to talk to to see what this is all about, and maybe maybe get in? Um, yeah, it just gives them the whole picture of the company—not the whole picture, but at least enough to do that initial diligence. Now, okay, Excel—that's somebody I want to talk to. Let's 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 reach out to them. All right, well, I, all right, who's the CEO? Brandon. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot Brandon an email. I'm gonna hit him up on LinkedIn and, and say, "Hey, let's talk. We might be interested in, in an investment." So. We'll see VCs use it like that. Same thing on the private equity side, a little bit different on how you would build it out. But um, yeah. And then PitchBook can see, you know, all about the company, even even on like the IP side, like what patents does this company have? All that. Okay, they got some good IP. I'm, I'm interested in investing. Um,
1: so yeah. putting your sales hat on, why should
0: a VC use PitchBook? Efficiency and accuracy. VCs are looking at hundreds of deals. I mean, they're looking at so many deals, but it's limited by the throughput of their team. Um, it's how, you know, are you going to miss that next unicorn because you were bogged down looking at something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and it's the fundraising side too, because again, they're still yeah, fundraising. They're well, the stock founder use pitch book. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so for the, for the VCs, it's, Hey, who's committing to these other VC funds? Cause I, I, all right, we just raised fund one. We're thinking about the next fund. Just just like a startup. Hey, we just closed the seed. Mm-hmm. When's the best time to start fundraising for the series A? Now, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's the same. And then the other thing is, you know, PitchBook has a team of analysts. We we mm-hmm. put out research. So we like this here. All right, AI, machine learning, vertical applications. What's that all about? We've got an analyst that covers it. We've got long form research, hundreds of pages of research. Mm-hmm. We've got one-on-one calls with those analysts. Hey, what's hot in the space? Who should we be looking at? Who should we be talking to? Um, so it's it's just a very immersive experience of yeah. the, in the space. It's a, an amazing way to make yourself, obviously kind out of VC, you're pretty smart, <laughs> but it's a very efficient well, way. Hopefully anyway, you're right. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, probably most are. Um, yeah, it, it's just an incredibly efficient way to stay on top of the game. And then on the founder side, I mean, a lot of the same things, you, you get a full-time job, you're running, you're building a company. I mean,
1: do a boolean search and have all this information with the matter of, we'll say worst case scenario, two minutes or call 10,000 investors and yeah. Hey, I'm Jason Cabanis, blah, 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 blah.
0: Yeah. Hey Jason, dude, I do a uh, late stage, uh, B, B to C investing and you're a B to B company, not interested. Yeah. Well, you could have known that yourself five hours looking up information on that investor that could have been spent building a product or looking up somebody else. So um, yeah. And, and, that's, and that's what PitchBook's all about. How can we help our clients win? How can we give, you know, set them up for success, give them more time back to, to build their company? Um, yeah. It, I mean, that, that's what it is for me. How can I help my clients win? How can I give them an outsized advantage that's going to let them raise this money, raise this more money? protect their valuation so that when they exit, they've got more money in the in, in the bank. You know, they've got more equity that they still own that they can give to their employees. And if, and equity is golden, right? You don't want to give too much away too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um so, I mean and, and honestly that's what I love about this job is I get to help people win. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's awesome. It's the same stuff I did in the military. I helped people win. I helped put people on objectives and I helped pick them up and help them get the mission done the same thing now it's just a little different you know i just don't i just don't put on a camouflage uniform <laughs> and spin up two, you know t701 jet engines <laughs> which is pretty cool um but it's just as exciting
1: so anything okay, else you want to cover cover in the demo before we switch switch seats
0: uh nope we can we can stop okay, that cool. out we'll switch back again I'll, I'll i'll say you know hey anybody that's listening um ha- happy to dive deeper on, on anything you're working on within PitchBook. There's a ton, I, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about startups, VCs, just kind of like, that's what Jay Stein likes to talk about. Um, but I work with anybody from uh, real estate, uh, you know, real estate companies looking to source startups that are growing and need more office space to-
1: I didn't uh, think about that, that's yeah, a great oh yeah. point. Oh yeah.
0: Um, recruiting firms.
1: Who- and That's a great point. Like. Hey, this company just raised a round. i draw them in the office space and we go.
0: Yeah. And the same thing. Hey, they just raised a series A. We know series A, series B. That's typically when people are starting to grow those teams, grow that sales function, mm-hmm. grow the the dev team. It's not just two guys in a garage, um, you know, or it's not just uh, a couple of founders hanging out yeah. here at, at Bunker Labs Seattle with Jason learning, you know, building out the product. Yeah. It's a growing company. They need to hire. So we'll have. I'm K- K- him, K-
1: so. HR, I definitely plan to take advantage, right? If, it, if my company yeah. makes it, you know, use pitch book, these companies for this yeah. A round, they probably need HR. Let me reach yeah. out to
0: them, right? It, I mean, if I <laughs> say that there's nobody in, in the business world that couldn't find a use for pitch book. Um, yeah, maybe it's, Cavs it, jar just raised a bunch of money, maybe a little bit later later stage, we're gonna do some acquisitions mm-hmm. we can do that too. Um, help you find an investment bank, help you plan the exit strategy. What, what are companies doing down the road? What's the public, um, the public comps down the road, five, seven, 10 years. Um, because that's important stuff too, the, the deep strategy. So yeah, I, I haven't found somebody yet that hasn't looked at pitch, but i like, okay, I could see how I could use this now. Is it a fit for everybody? No. I mean, it's, um, it's a, uh, you know, it's not going to be a fit for everyone's processes and systems, but um, I think it's, I personally, in my own biased opinion, it's one of the most game-changing solutions out there.
1: So the startups that do do use PitchBook, they usually come on, like if have the A round, C round, like when you see Pitch, startups use like, like purchasing PitchBook.
0: Yeah, it, it's usually kind of that pre-seed, pre-series A, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll bring a startup on, or it's either kind of in that bucket, or it's maybe a, A later stage round and they're looking to do some acquisitions now or they're looking to raise a bunch of money and hey we've got a great you know a great group of investors but we need to grow that we need to know who else is out there um and we're we're looking to do some acquisitions so ton of ton of value throughout the life cycle of a startup um yeah Eric, thanks for the great demo
1: i understand you have something for our listeners something for the listeners yeah the, the, call or something. Or
0: oh yeah. Yeah. Kind of what, what I just talked yeah. about where, yeah. um, yeah, ha- happy to take time. Anybody out there listening, um, best way to get in touch with me is either email or, or LinkedIn. So my email is just, uh, Eric E R I C dot Murphy at pitchbookcom or on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm sure, uh, Jason will, will tag me in this, but it's, you know, my, my LinkedIn URL is just Eric J Murphy 6 um, feel free to connect with me uh, if you have any questions on PitchBook, on fundraising, on how to source new hires for your company because you're growing. Like, there's so many things we can do. H- happy to grab time with anybody listening, and um, you know, a- a- and see if there's anything I can can help you with. And then the other side of the coin, also, hey, if you if you're a veteran transitioning, trying to get into tech, trying to get into sales, drop me a line. Um, happy to to grab some time talk. Uh, there's people way smarter than me that I can hopefully hook you up with, but I at least have, have, I guess, done this thing recently, somewhat recently.
1: So Eric is linked to your main social media. You have all the social media that you use.
0: Uh, yeah. That, that, that's my main social media uh, on the, on the professional side. If you want to see, you know, pictures of my kids, uh, I've got Instagram, but, <laughs> but, but that's about it. Um, oh. Or, or views from my, my, my new house over in Bremerton. <laughs>
1: And for the listeners, we're going to have the links to the to um, Eric's social media and his gift and his, and his uh, consulting stuff and, and all that kind of stuff in the show notes. You can find the show notes at www.cabinishrblog.com. Also, a reminder to sign up the Cabinet's HR wait list. If you have a company of 4 or fewer people, we'll do your HR for free for a few months while you, while you help us with the beta testing. Also, here Bunker Live, we're going to do our first in-person event here in Seattle on July 8th. we have um, It's going to be July 8th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the 1201 3rd Avenue Reward. We're gonna have ten great veteran companies pitch for two minutes. We have like different companies coming. That's all the all the, all the spectrum from tech companies to someone to be on a tent target. Just different companies with great, great ideas. We're we'll also doing an entrepreneurial panel. The discussion will gonna be what's the future entrepreneurship in Seattle. We're gonna have um, Andrew Klein, CEO of Zia Accounting. He does uh, accounting for startups in the Seattle area and across the nation. Bernard Edwards, another panel speaker. He does uh, marketing and branding. For 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 Fortune 500 companies and Randa McCurr. Randa has her own startup called Residence AI. She's also an angel investor and she's a a member of the board of directors for WTIA here in Seattle. So be sure to sign up for that. And uh, if you go to my LinkedIn or just reach out, I send send the link to sign up for that. Yeah, so, I'll I'll definitely be
0: here for that. I'm super excited for that event. This is gonna be great,
1: uh, Eric. We're coming into our talking. Give us any advice and wisdom. Anything you want to cover?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of the common thread here, both on the on the veteran transition side and the you know tech side, startup raising money is is, is use all the tools available to your disposal. Um, don't be afraid to reach out, seek mentorship. Um, don't be afraid to hear no. I think the startup founders know that. Uh, the the veterans will will learn that, and they'll learn it's not that big of a deal because they've had worse. Um, yeah, man. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there in transition when you're fundraising. Um, Don't be afraid to have any any conversation you have is a win, no matter what the outcome is. So um, yeah, I mean, we, I I took a a somewhat warm introduction from our, our friend Bernard and here we are having a podcast now, and this is super cool. So uh, I I think I said, I I, I knew I would make it in the tech world once I got on a podcast. So (laughs) here we are. So uh, (laughs) it's official. Yeah. And shout out to Bernard Mendes too. Yeah, yeah, love, love Bernard. Really cool what what they're doing at Retinas. Um, pretty excited for for some of the work they're doing for our, our military and first responders. Definitely,
1: Eric. Thank you for your time today. I really
0: appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me.
1: And to listeners, thank you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You got to pump it up, don't you know, pump it up You got you pump it up, don't you know, pump it up You got to pump it up, don't you know, pump it up You got to pump it up, don't you know, pump it up You got to